Good morning, Northwest Hills. I'm so pleased to be a small part of your home gatherings this morning. And it's my prayer that you would be blessed in your reading of the scripture and that the Lord would reveal his word to you this morning. Today we're going to be going through Romans chapter 10, and this chapter really complements Romans 9 and provides a further understanding into this idea that God is completely sovereign, and yet we are completely responsible for our submission to his righteousness and not rejecting salvation by faith. This tension holds throughout the book of Romans, and as Pastor Josh encouraged us last week, this is a really good time to ask the hard questions. Talk together as a group about the material covered, yet at the end of the day, it is important for us to come back to the understanding that God is just and he is good in every decision that he makes, and that there are concepts like this that we can truly not wrap our finite minds around, and we can believe that he knows what he's doing. We have provided an outline of this chapter, but would encourage you all in your house groups to read through this chapter together, dive into it, wait in it for a little while, ask God, what do you have for us today in this text? For, the, uh, for this little video, I would just like to highlight a few key concepts of this chapter that really just stick out to me and I thought might be helpful for your time together. Paul starts the chapter in a similar way to the ninth chapter of Romans. He starts by being burdened for his fellow Jews, but this time it's a little different. In chapter 9, Paul exclaims, For I wish that I myself were accursed for my brethren. But now, after giving us an explanation of God's sovereignty, Paul tells us that it is his heart's desire and his prayer for Israel that they might be saved. And this statement is so key because it reveals once again the power of prayer. In a sermon given by Jesus, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you have a burden on your heart for those around you to be saved, or if you want to have a burden for those around you to be saved, this is an awesome reminder to pray. Another point of this passage that really hits home is Paul's description of the Jews at the time. He gives the sobering picture that they're zealous for God, but their excitement is a little misguided. If you're not familiar with the word zealous, it comes from the Greek word zelos, and it means to have an excitement and a jealousy for something. One definition puts it as embracing, pursuing, and defending something. So the Jews have been embracing God, even pursuing him, but not correctly. How can this be? We find out later in the text that righteousness, a right standing in relationship with God, is not created by working hard to earn God's approval, love, and favor, but rather by faith in Jesus Christ. As you read this chapter, I would like for you to put your feet into the boots of the Jewish people for a minute. For their entire existence, God has been revealing himself to them. He has given them laws and oracles and prophets. They have been the most privileged people in existence up to this point. And Paul is essentially saying, you're currently doing this all wrong. You've missed Jesus. How would it make you feel to experience such a shift from obeying and following the Old Testament law to now obeying and following Jesus' new commandment? On top of that, the Jews found it difficult to believe that access to God was now given easily to all people and not just those of the Jewish race and faith. This caused many Jewish people to be jealous and hard-hearted towards God. And that is exactly what Paul describes in this chapter, and why Paul is so dearly burdened for his fellow Jews. Essentially, Jesus has paved the way for salvation through him, but the salvation is not by working hard or obeying rules. This salvation simply comes uh, by confessing Jesus and believing that he is the Son of God. The salvation by faith is so beautiful, yet for those who have been striving to be righteous by themselves, it can be a real stumbling block. In this chapter, Paul contrasts the righteousness by faith against the striving of attempting to be righteous by living according to the law. 
Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30 to paint a picture of how righteousness by faith is obtained. He quotes, Do not see in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and your heart. Essentially, what Paul is driving home is that Christ and righteousness in Christ is not found by getting high and entering it into some sort of uh, mysticism. Nor is Jesus found by digging into the ground and into the books and pulling them out and saying, I found them. Paul is saying that the pathway to Jesus Christ is already paved in your hearts, and the words are even in your mouth. That if you confess with your mouth in the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This last uh, piece of chapter that I want to throw some pointers at is verses 14 through 21. It's an easy part to be a little confused by, but I would encourage you to remember that this section was written as an explanation of how Israel had rejected faith in Jesus as the means of salvation. Paul is giving a little dissertation, pulling from the Old Testament to explain the gospel has been readily available to them, that they had been given every chance to accept the saving knowledge of salvation by faith in Jesus, but they have hardened their hearts. In this section, Paul quotes Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This verse reminds us that there is a wonderful and beautiful privilege in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The word beautiful in its original Greek is translated as being the vigor and the bloom of life. So that Paul and Isaiah are saying to those who are bringing this good news to those who around them, those are the people that have the real bloom and vigor in life and who have been amazing uh, who live these amazing lives. And when you turn on the news these days, you won't find these kind of good reports. When you open your social media, you won't read this kind of news. But if you just open up your Bible, you'll be flooded with the joyous and wondrous news of Jesus Christ. And Paul is exclaiming just how beautiful it is that that person shares the news to those around them. I'm so excited for you all to read this chapter today, and I hope you're all snuggled up in your favorite blanket, drinking your favorite hot beverage, and enjoying the company of your loved ones and friends. Please feel free to use the attached study guide uh, with your time this morning as you learn to seek Jesus, to love him, and to make him known. Have a good study.